exactly does it mean to share your hotness? We all have our own unique spark. We are burning out of control like a wildfire, attracting attention, but is it the right kind of attention? All around us are people who are campfires. They don't get as much attention, but their story, their signature spark, their heat that attracts us close to them, those stories need to be shared. On this podcast, we're sharing their stories. Their stories of resilience, overcoming, how to find joy, happiness, everyday people who found their spark and made their life amazing. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with your host, Lita Green, and my guest today, Dallin Brimhall. Now, Dallin and I met at a mutual friend of ours, Tara Starling, who is like, if there was magic in a person who's literally a fairy, it's Tara. Would you not agree that Tara is just like magical? Absolutely. Absolutely. So sweet. So sweet. We love Tara. She's, and she's always, and she's a makeup artist. So I have like a, because of my makeup side of my career, I have like a a makeup crush on Tara Starling because she's so super talented. And um, how did you meet Tara, Dallin? Um, I actually met her through Justin, my partner. um, And he had known her because he does music. um, His, his music name, he's a producer. His name is Sleep Thief. Um, and he's done music videos. He's put out multiple albums. He's, you know, he's a, he's a lawyer by day and then kind of the creative, um, also very magical with his music. And he met her through that world and she did some of the makeup and some of the, so helped with some of the props and the creation of his music. But Justin doesn't wear glitter all the time like Tara does. No, he doesn't. Um, he likes it's internal glitter. It's he internal eyeliner. Whenever he gets a chance to wear eyeliner, he thinks it makes his eyes look good. And I, I tease him about it just because of my, <laughs> my programming of men shouldn't wear makeup. Right. Which is, <laughs> this is programming. Well, but, my husband, who is an electrical engineer, math and physics minor, who is a heterosexual male. And you mentioned your partner. So, you know, just in case anyone's confused, right. <laughs> you're not a heterosexual male right. um, and was in the army and from Spokane, Washington. He wears a little bit of foundation to cover up his scar from being hit by a bus. I know actually quite a few men. And I'm, for me, I'm learning because I, I've watched my sister wear makeup and I played with it because I'm gay and I was interested, but I also was afraid. Wait, you're gay? I'm, I'm very, I'm just teasing. (laughs) I was afraid to be gay because of the religion. And Mm. so I, I, I put it up there and said, men don't wear makeup. You know, like that's not a manly thing to do. But I've met a lot of guys at the gym that curl their eyelashes, that do a little eye stuff, that wear foundation. They'll they'll do their beard or line their beard. And mm-hmm. well, I if, if um, it makes you look good and feel good, go for it. Well, brows are a huge communicator of you know helping people to see the eyes, okay. and a lot of people lose their brow. Um, intensity, like right now, Dallin, I, we, you know, as we discussed before, got on my morning routine, got messed up. So my makeup's half done. So my brows are a little bit more exciting than they need to be before I get my eye makeup on. Cause I'm wearing like eyebrows and like this vivid purple lipstick right now. And my hair's in a messy bun, but it's a podcast. I so have fun fine. glasses. Yeah. I have fun glasses, but look great. well, I'm, I'm going to do a glam makeup look. It's my son's 21st birthday today. Oh, wow. It's my best so friend. I got to be the hot mom. 
you know, to not embarrass him at the family party. Absolutely. But anyway, (laughs) the brows, (laughs) a lot of men, I think, would benefit by filling in their brows a little bit. Because when the brow is just filled in, you know, closer to the inside of the face, it can make you look a little harsh. So by finishing out the arch, you're fine. I'm like, you're fine, but a little bit more in there. (laughs) Yeah, and you can do it without it looking like it's been done. You know what I'm saying? Where nobody's gonna, but it just helps when people behold your face to be directed to your eyeballs, which is where I say the hotness is. Yeah. Right. But sometimes I see men where they're, they're just kind of have like a, you know, a groucho look and I'm right. like, Oh, let's just give you a little bit. Nobody would even know, <laughs> you know, just a little bit. So, I mean, makeup's a tool and it's how you use any tool. Right. Hammers are great in construction. You have to have them. It, it would be impossible to build a house without a hammer. And just because sometimes they've been used to kill people doesn't mean we should outlaw hammers. Right. Right. Knowing Tara being in the makeup world, they do stage makeup. You know, there's ways to enhance your. Yeah, because she's like specifically in the film makeup um, industry. Yeah. Yeah. And so men are, I mean, it'd be, and, you know, the the French initially, the only women to wear makeup were prostitutes to cover up sickness. And it was a way of signaling that they were open for business. But men were actually the original wearers of makeup, aristocratic men. Yeah. Wow. I don't know why, but I forgot why. That's but now I have to go look it up again. <laughs> I mean, probably in our culture, but you think of like ancient Egypt and stuff like that. It's been around for a long time, you mm-hmm. know. The pharaohs and all of that. Yeah. And their eyeliners that they did had very hierarchical significance. So you couldn't just, um, you know, if you were the 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 clay pits kid, man, you know, manager's kid, right? I'm, you know, because they make clay bricks. See where I went there. Um, you couldn't just like wear the eyeliner that the pharaoh wore, right? You, it was like a status symbol. Well, and it's very symbolic of of. There's a lot of spiritual symbolism with the way that they did their eye. Okay, see how yeah. cool is that, right? But that's how we met was through Tara. Right. We met through Tara and um, we were both at a party where it was like, everybody's like super tight in there. And we just like talked for, I feel like most of the time I was at the party and neither one of us were like, we need to get away and like mingle. We just were enjoying thoroughly each other. And then we had this beautiful spiritual connection where you got to get a mom hug for me. And I just I'm like my, my little, my, my little, I just kind of felt like I had a stewardship of protecting this after you that we had. You saw me as a mom. And I love that because I am probably, am I old enough to be your mother? I'm 50. Um, I'm 37. So yeah, I'm not old enough to be your mom. Cause I was like, I, I would, I would have thought you were in your younger 30s. So I was like, maybe I was a teen pregnancy. But you know what? I've noticed that I attract women into my life that have that motherly energy, and it's a way for my mom, who had passed away, which right. I shared with you, to come through and to to yeah. give that energy that I crave and need to me. Yeah, absolutely. And so I just it just made me like love you all the more because, um, you know, your mom trusted me to to give you some of that love. Yeah. Thank so you. I I had told you anytime you want a mom hug, I will do it, and I'll like hold you uncomfortably long time 
that's enough. That's enough. Yeah. (laughs) And a few days after um, that hug that we had and that conversation, my son was like, mom, you just need to get over it. We're adults. And I was like, I told him about you. And I was like, there are full grown men who still want mom hugs. So you're lucky that I chase you down. (laughs) That's true. And I kind of like gave him a little bit of like kind of some ribbing. And I don't know if it's, it was this or his wife was like, come on, hug your mom more. But now ever since then, whenever he sees me, he's like, I got to hug my mom. Uh, you know? So I think he's like, he I just got to cool by, by not needing mom hugs. And you're like, dude, there's a, a grown ass man that still needs a mom hug. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're, I'm always going to be your mommy and you're going to be in your seventies before I die. So you're stuck with me. So make peace with it. <laughs> I actually had a client. She's become a friend now, but um, I do massage and energy healing and, and shamanic healing. And um, in, I, I ask for my mom to come in and help and my brother also, cause you can work with the spirits and the energies, right? She came back to me the next session. She's just like, down. thank you so much. I just had, I feel like I really need to let you know that in my meditation this morning, I felt your mom, like I felt her come through and she just wrapped her energy around me and she just gave me this big mom hug. And I just started crying, you know, I was like, I literally asked her to do that for people, you know, so. Absolutely. I love that. Everybody needs a mom Um, hug. (laughs) Do you know Lark Galley? I don't. Okay. She's fantastic. Um, she has a son that unfortunately passed away due to, um, suicide and it was intentional and there was a lot of, you know, conflict and things like that in their relationship prior through the years as is pretty typical with teenagers. You know, I I wouldn't say a given, but you know, it happens. Right. But she has described numerous times how she's actually closer to her son now and that they've had communications and connections and it's been a huge part of her life purpose after his death, which, you know, to me, I look at that and I think, you know, all that matters is what we become and where we end up, you know, from a spiritual standpoint, right. And whatever we have to endure to learn the things we need to learn, you know? Um, And so there's, you know, we get a resistance to pain because it's uncomfortable, but really it's the gift, right? It's, it's the learning, it's the process. And in the journey of her son, Christian and her, his death, though horrible, you know, like just a horrible loss to the whole family and the community that still good has been able to come from it in who these individuals are. You know? So when nice. you said that, it reminded me of Lark and how, there's her and her son have this collaboration that's going that is more um, healthy than it's ever been. And the death is just a little aspect. Right. Well, that's how it is with, with my brother as well. He's, he helps me a lot and he's able, I feel like he was a symbolic savior, you know, being raised LDS and Christian. And I love I love Christ's message. And LDS for my listeners is uh, an abbreviation for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So just want to, not everybody um, has a frame of reference of living in Utah. So I just want to make sure that we are using language that everyone can understand. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So it's a, it's a branch of Christianity. Um, and I love Christ's message. Um, 
but for my family, we had some, we had some issues. Every family does. Right. And when he passed away, which his was a heroin overdose, it was a drug overdose Mm -hmm. and it was a shock to all of us and including him. Did you guys know that he was using or was his drug? No, he hadn't. He went to prison for it. He hadn't used it in two years and Uh, one time and one time, one time. Yeah. So it was a shock. But now I know for sure that he's on the other side helping people who overdose and go through that spiritual shock of like, what the fuck? I just, excuse my language. I just died. I'm dead. <laughs> like, no, uh-huh. no, 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 no. Like this wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it, able to guide people yeah. in that shock. And it's, yeah, I love that because I do think that, you know, this imagery of heaven being, you know, we're up there playing harps and that's not the LDS or Church of Christ Latter-day Saints tradition, <laughs> but it's very much permeated through, I guess, medieval, you know, yeah. in our Western culture or whatever. But, you know, they're up there playing harps and there's peace and, you know, we can like be lazy. Uh, right. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> there is nothing lazy about heaven. No. You know, the learning that's going to be happening the ministering, which like what you're describing, what your brother's doing, where we take every painful, awful earth experience and we go and there's, you know, if you're religious or not, there are so many, um, which, you know, I would classify me as religious and spiritual and you as spiritual. Is that a fair, you know? Um, so if you're religious, meaning in a, a system of religious belief that, you know, where you have certain rites and rituals and practices that you do, where you can be religious and not be spiritual. And I think ideally you're both obviously, cause that's what I am. You know, like if you're going to be religious, you got to be spiritual. You can't do religion without spirituality, you know, but anyway, um, if you have certain rites and rituals that you do in your spiritual worship, that sometimes we can lose that, you know, get so caught up in what we're doing that we forget that we are these eternal beings that are, you know, messing with, with, you know, our eternity and other people's eternity. And that's why life gets so messy is because we, you know, we, we think it's just about here and now, Yeah. right. What we're doing now. I, I do. I get the now and the here concept. Um, and I also, I also agree that we can make things messy from an eternal concept but there's also a kind of a freedom that comes with understanding like every one of us is these imperfect little baby gods and we make messes and then we clean them up. Whoa, whoa, you're saying cause you're those... saying controversial Christian stuff there. That that gets you kicked out uh, of Christianity. <laughs> well, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. I'm <laughs> no, I just laugh anything. because in, uh, and I mean, you know, this because of, um, the, the religion you were raised in that you're not in right. now, but you know, that something that is very controversial, um, especially in the seventies, there was a, a film that was made called the God makers. And it was, you know, this big expose that people of the church of the Latter-day Saints believe that there is eternal progression. And that eventually as we rise in intelligence and in, um, energy, right? I mean, I don't remember what the the wording that this movie used, but anyway, that we believe that um, eventually as we will become like God and we still glorify God and they're like, oh, this is so crazy. And I've had people come up to me like, what do you believe we're going to become gods one day? And I'm like, if you would like to calm down, I can explain to you what that is. But 
That is saying that my energy, that my spirit never ends. And of course I'm progressing. Of course I'm learning. And it doesn't take away from God. In fact, it glorifies God. But the idea that I would end and that I would not still get to learn, to me, sounds like hell. Well, and there's even the yogis believe in, you know, eternal progression. A lot of Eastern religions do. Right. Yoga means to yoke, which is what one of the things that Christ taught. Um, So to think about even the wheel of karma and having to balance, you know, certain actions or having consequences or what I call blessings, blessings and lessons kind of. Oh, blessings. blessings. (laughs) Um, And then those really, really joyful experiences that's all combined to keep recreating and creating who you are becoming. Right. Endless. We are endless. And your brother dying in a shocking and sad circumstance, God was able to use that to still bless others. And so I think it gets messy when we go, oh, they're they're ruined or they're cast out or they're They're damned for eternity. Yeah. And you know, and that to when people say that kind of stuff, I'm like, so you haven't read the Bible? Like, haven't really read that? You know, because it talks about how we can always be redeemed and we can always, you know, learn and become better. And, you know, the language might be problematic to some people, but to me, the message is of um, a universal appeal that we can always learn and we can always become better. Well, even um, Christianity used to believe in the concept of, of reincarnation. And in, I think it was 600 AD, the council of Constantinople. Uh-huh that that concept was a heresy because they thought in their egotistical way of thinking that that gave people way too ample time to work out their salvation. Oh, I considered it a heresy. And my personal belief is reincarnation is real. It's very real. Yeah. You Uh, shared that with me that night. And I, um, I think my, my idea about reincarnation is, you know, when people talk about like past lives or past experiences, and I, I think I shared this with you, but that I felt like it was when I was a ministering angel to one of Cleopatra's handmaidens. Yes. And so some of those, you know, past life memories were really just that I was a ministering angel. Right. You and know? part of your intelligence could have been in one of Cleopatra's cells in her heart, you know? Right. Which they found that um, when you get into, what do they call it? Is it metaphysics? Quantum physics. Quantum physics. It in multiple dimensions, multiple realities, yeah. multiple timelines, multiple places, worlds, kingdoms, all at once. Yeah. And it's, um, I had another guest on who we spent the whole entire, oh, what's her name? Angela. Ah, dang it, you guys. I'm sorry. I don't remember at the moment because I have had like 140 guests and you know, they say you can only remember so many names at night, but it's yeah. Angela, Angela Kirkham. Ah, ha, ha. Woohoo. Barney point for Lita. Anyway, Angela Kirkham, she talked a lot about this, that how these cells and these energies and how we're all connected. And basically the, the concept of it is that none of us are an island and that none of our thoughts or feelings should be honored without being analyzed and looked at and assessed because it could be, um, a, a, a misfiring of our energy, right? Yeah. 
You know, I, I, I don't feel own. like I'm explaining it correctly because this is what her studying is, you know, but I loved this idea that it basically reinforced the concept of ultimate kindness to ourselves and others and expecting accountability for who we are now in order to align what we want to be with that cellular makeup of the, the quantum physics of our soul. Yes, I, I completely get what you're saying. And from a shamanistic perspective, if you think about everything, even in the, the Christian, um, I, more Mormonism point of view, everything is intelligences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One cell has its own intelligence, meaning it also has its own individual spirit. And if you mm-hmm. think about all of those spirits that make up our physical, I say physical because Getting into quantum physics, nothing is really physical. Right. But the box that that our intelligence lives in, like, so our body. This this biological space suit. Uh, A biological space suit. (laughs) Yeah, that's what what Shaman Durek calls it. And I love it. Okay, I love it. Yeah. brilliant, you know. But basically, this body, it has multiple intelligences or spirits. And some of those spirits can be negative. You know, it's like you have a cancer cell and it starts to... That's a negative entity and energy that you get to look at, not be afraid of and let it take your life, but you get to love it enough to heal it and send it Mm -hmm. to the light. And there are so many spirits that make us up who we are. And then all of our spirits and bodies and the earth and all creation makes up the mind and body of God. Right, right. And so, you know, something that I love about um, when you talk to people who might have like a different look on, you know, your belief system, that what I find is that I actually find it reinforces the, the, the core of what I believe, you know? So when you're in a religion, there's going to be a lots of like, okay, we go to this meeting and we do this and, you know, we have this system. And I find that very helpful because it, it keeps my ADD brain going. Am I focused in an eternal perspective. I could just get caught up in checking the box, right? But it helps having a system that I'm following helps me be continually asking myself those personal accountability questions, right? Um, And we all need to be having something that holds us. And all these religions that have ever lived, like the most fascinating class I ever took was a comparative religions class. And seeing how at the core of them, there was so much in common, like that every single religion had a redeeming God. They're disciplines. And it's to be a disciple means you're disciplined in one thing or another, maybe multiple. Maybe you create your own discipline and, you know, you can be a disciple of Christ, Buddha, Krishna, uh, the universe, your, your higher self, um, you know, it's all the same thing, really. They're just different words used to express. Well, I find, yeah, I mean, you know, for me, because of certain experiences I've had, you know, it's very much Christ, right? But I can look and have conversations with people and find respect and truth and value in what they're sharing because I can see the parallels to my own, my own core, my own truth, the things that I know that are not just because of my biological spacesuit, you know, that are those undeniable experiences you can't give to somebody else that are, you know, spiritual in nature. You can't just go here, Dallin, this is something I know because you have to, Dallin has to do it for himself and I, I have to do it for myself. Absolutely. And, you know, well, and so what, 
I've read books on near death experiences and um, I've had my own near death experience. And I think that the divine, whatever you want to call it, God, Christ, Krishna, Buddha, uh, Allah, um, Yahweh, you know, whatever you want to call it. There's like a thousand different names. Yeah. They're names and titles for the same essence. And that essence, that universal in, in quantum physics, that unified field will gift you whatever you need that fits your belief systems and your constructs. So if you die, you being a Christian, you're going to see Jesus or somebody along the lines of family who believed in Jesus and where somebody else might die and commune with Buddha or somebody else might die and only believe in their ancestors and they, they meet their ancestors and someone else might die and they believe they're going to hell and they get to experience that belief system for a second and realize there's only love to lift them out of that, you know? So it's, yeah, yeah. Well, I like that because um, if your belief system is um, so binary as you make one mistake, you're going to hell. I'm really glad you're not stuck there because <laughs> I don't believe in that. I believe in, um, you know, that heaven is a very, very going to be very full. And the only those that would spit in the face of Christ, knowing who he is, which do I know that fully, right? Only those who know the, those, those would be the people that are going to hell, but we're going to be um, the pride in us will be very upset or very pleased to see how many people are in heaven with us, you know, and that it's, you know, God judges the heart and, you know, there's, there's so many different variations that we're just supposed to be kind and love each other and not be an obstacle and um, belief systems. Um, you know, I mean, my, my own story and your story both included people who used religion badly, you know, or wrongly. Let's, let's put it that way. Let's be more gracious and say wrongly. Right. The they best used they could, you know. Yeah. You know, um, to, to where I had people that literally were like, if you don't do this, um, you know, submit to this, uh, sexual perversion, you know, molestation thing, um, then God won't be proud of you. You know, like literally a perversion of that kind of stuff. And for me to come out of that, you know, I could have, and you could have, you know, become bitter and that for a while. Right. Well, we all go through, I mean, that's the cycle of grief, right? We go through our phase, but what I loved about meeting you was that on the outside, you are this fabulous gay man wearing a crown at the Halloween party, you know, and, um, it was like literally a crown that you made. And when you first talked to me, you're like, yes, my sister and I make these and we do these traumatic retreats. And I was like, and you said it without any kind of like this lady. And if you were just to take me in, I am a middle-aged woman. Did I, I wasn't dressed up for the party at all. So I look like a party pooper because, you know, no, I had a, I had a pumpkin shirt, a pumpkin. You're a pumpkin. <laughs> Yeah, but I wasn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't have the time to invest that day to, to be dressed up. So I look like I'm a party pooper. It's probably a pretty easy summation by looking at me that I was of the predominant religion of the area, Mormon. And you did not allow your, what you visually saw of me to judge me and push me away. No, no. And I didn't do that with you. And we ended up having, focusing in on what was really important in a connection with another human being was discovering about each other. And that was beautiful. And we ended up, you know, standing there in this crowded room, hugging each other, crying. 
right? And now we both have tears in our eyes. My soul craves that kind of connection with people. And, but you were open to it, you know? And so I, I'm fascinated by this concept of how you're living in an area that, um, and, you know, I myself, you know, am a part of that religion that says you can't be gay, you know? And people always say to me, well, Lita, how do you reconcile that? And I'm like, but because I you think can, no, you can be gay. You just can't act on it. You can't, <laughs> right. you can't express your gay love to another. Right. Like I can't have sex with anyone outside of my <laughs> marriage to my husband. So if he died tomorrow, I would be celibate for the rest of my life unless I chose to remarry. So um, I, I can see on one hand where people would be very hurt by that, you know, and I love how you didn't let my affiliation with the LDS church, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, stop us from being able to have what could be. Because I've had a lot of people that are so angry with me that I won't disavow my, my religious faith. But to me, it's like, if there's 93% that is working for me for the 7%, I don't quite understand. I'm not going to disavow my faith and throw out, you know, the baby with the bathwater. Right. But I'm trying to live compassionately and follow what I know to be true. And I need this system to, for that accountability, like I talked about, right. Cause if mm-hmm. I throw all that out, it's a well, beautiful system. It it's, yeah. it's, 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 you know, I've had spiritual experiences that I know, but I also am open to the fact that they're humans and maybe just maybe God has allowed these differences to exist so that we can challenge ourselves to do what you and I were able to do at that party. Yeah. And we can learn to just not judge each other and just to be open to what is there. But I've had, many friends in the LGBT community that are like, if you won't disavow your faith, we can't be friends anymore. And I know by your kind of crossing your eyes, like that's mm-hmm. stupid, but I think it's just as stupid when people kick out people because they're in the LGBT community. And so we've got these two diverse ideas that seem ir- cons- not con- um, irreconcilable, Brilliant. Yeah, but individually, um, we can love each other and be kind to each other and just let God work it all out. And God's way less judgmental than we humans are. Because God is pure love and diversity teaches us. We learn diversity. do believe he wants there to be diversity and encourages he it. created it all. You know, he created it. And he allowed, he has allowed people to call him by different names. And, you know, as I tell my kids, it's like, okay, as humans, we've got to search out truth. And so if somebody is on a spectrum of truth, we got to celebrate that, right? And just because their belief system may not be as true as what you know your belief system to be, who are you to be going around telling them that they're on the wrong path? Right. Because they're on the same spectrum of seeking truth. That is what you have to respect is if they have enough integrity to say, this is who I am. This is what I believe. And I'm striving and working and trying to become better, then I will celebrate that. Absolutely. They are a child of God or the universe. Preach it, brother. Preach it. Everybody (laughs) deserves love. Absolutely. Everybody is doing their best. And especially the person who you perceive as different than you. And what was so beautiful about that is because we didn't 
let those things um, stop us. You know, um, we had not just a nice conversation, but a heart. Boom. You know, like locked in. Like, I will never not be able to see you, Dallin, and want to give you a long, uncomfortable mommy hug. <laughs> Thank you, Lita. So if we run into you in Walmart, we're going to be like, and everyone's going to be like, oh, that's so cute. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you've had a fun path because you've had um, just, I mean, from the the two hours, I don't know. How long did we even talk? I, it's like time. About that. Right. Yeah, it was a long time. We And we covered a lot of ground. So what is something you're feeling pulled to share with the audience? Um, probably the most, uh, and I shared it with you, but the, the thing that I'm most proud of right now is my integrative affirmational mindfulness system or mm-hmm. I, um, it's about really remembering the, I am presence that lives within, right? The kingdom is within, but it's a fun way to practice yoga and positive affirmations or I am statements all kind of put into one little, um, system a way to follow just your inner guidance system. You draw, if anybody's into Oracle cards, it's an Oracle card deck. If people are into affirmations, it incorporates the affirmations. If people are into looking at their shadow and healing their shadow, it in, it in envelop or it. So what is healing your shadow mean? I don't, I don't think I'm familiar. It's looking at those parts of yourself that are still in fear um, looking at those parts of yourself that are maybe trying to keep you stuck or contained in a certain um, sphere of your being or existence. It's those parts that carry pain. It's those parts that resurface to bring up that energy of suffering. Um, it's those places that um, are inside of us that bring out that critical mind or the judgmental mind or mm-hmm. the critical parent inside of us or the 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 that that voice of of you know the devil or, yeah it's, it's the devil or you know like telling you you're not good enough or you mm-hmm. know like we all have these parts that are known as the shadow in psychology Hume was the one who um who kind of coined that term looking mm-hmm. at the shadow and it's basically the part of the self that one is keeping secret and in the shadows yeah yeah in the shadows that you know that you don't want anybody to see because it's it's your your humanness and your natural man and and that bad part of yourself that you don't want anybody to know that you're bad or wrong you know so i have a speech that i give typically to religious circles where um i haven't I don't have like a formal title for it, you know, because typically when I go speak to religious circles, they're just like, this is our theme. And so I get to like kind of share and twerk it, twerk it, twerk it, tweak it. (laughs) Let's be very clear. There will be no twerking from hotness. Uh, Tweak it to the message I want to share. But this, this message, when I feel called to share it, I've entitled in my mind, there are no bad people, no good people. And what I'm basically the principle I'm trying to get across is that when you describe every feeling as good or bad, every emotion, every action, right? That you are really entering into a place of judging other people. So I'm a person because, yeah, which other people, all judgments are from an internal place, right? That if I'm sitting in church every Sunday, I'm a good person. So everyone who's not sitting in church, 
the natural man that that thing you were just all talking the about the shadow, shadow the devil is like well these people are bad people right and so you know it's it creates these black and white ideas and though i think truth is very clear it's not as concerned with um it's how we're looking at truth right it's like the scenes of an accident you know so truth is constant but I might see it from a different light, depending on if I'm standing to the east or if I'm standing to the west or I'm under it or I'm over it. Right. Mm-hmm. We're we're going to see it in a different in a different way than the person next to us. And what's important is that over our existence, we're moving closer and closer to that truth. Right. And without the contrast or the shadow, we wouldn't be able to move closer and closer to that light and become more and more that light. So the shadows reflecting back to us those dark aspects of ourselves that help us remember we are the light. Yes. And so. I love how you brought in about the shadow is, you know, synonymous with shame because yeah. shame stops us from growing, you know, and I mentioned this in the last podcast. So sorry, listener, but you know, in my book, love me too. I talk about how secrecy and, you know, thrives in the shadows and that, and, you know, specifically in overcoming abuse, you need to be able to be like, this happened. I'm not okay with that in order to get past the different phases of healing, bring it to the light, yeah. Yeah. bring it to the light. It to and the so, light. you know, when it comes to, you know, psychological abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, there's no way that keeping it secret is going to help anyone that is involved in that situation. And I've been perpetrator or the victim. Yeah. I've also been through, you know, sexual and psychological and, you know, abuse. Yeah. But the more I've talked about it and I thought I worked through it all. And now that I've started doing um, men's breath journeys, I now had a memory of where I was sexually abused and raped. And I'm like, I thought I worked through this, you know? So there's layers and layers and layers of that shame. And me vocalizing it. I wrote a poem about it. I posted it on Instagram. It got so many good responses and it helps people see, you know, like I didn't need that for my ego. I just felt intuitively very strongly. Like I need to share. This is what I'm going through. So there is vulnerability. I think it's an interesting thing that, and I would love to, because it's something I'm thinking a lot about in my life right now too. So um, I think a lot of times we think if we sharing something, that is automatically ego. And I think that's a Western oh. idea, right? Because yeah, like, if you're sharing something on Instagram or Facebook, I, I get people who give me a lot of crap about that. I am so sharing. And it's been amazing to me um, because in order to connect, it is required that there's a certain level of vulnerability. So if somebody chooses to be connect and be vulnerable one-on-one, and then somebody chooses to connect and be vulnerable with three or four people. But those that choose to share with the whole world is somehow suddenly bad. Right. Does it take away from the fact that that sharing opened the door for communication and connection? Right. And I think it all goes back to motive. Right. Like, am I sharing, are, were you sharing that poem um, to, you know, name out your abuser or, right. you know, like, or are you sharing it because you thought this putting this outside of me and being able to frame it in this poetry, in this artistic form 
helps move that mold out of my heart, that canker, that cancer out of my heart. And then sharing with other people, it's like you gave them a shortcut to some healing and gave maybe some voice to someone who doesn't have the ability to put it into poetry. And I think those of us that have been given a platform or words, that that is something that 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 we are called to do using spiritual language, religious language, right? Um, I've had a lot of miscarriages. And when people started saying stupid things to me, like, you know, did you think to pray? <laughs> like as though prayer would somehow circumvent the genetic factor that like I have been praying this whole time. Duh. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like, but you know, they're putting shame, which I could have internalized into, Oh, did I do something wrong? Right. Instead, I would turn to them and say things like, have you ever had anything bad happen? And they'll be like, well, yeah. And I'm like, dang, I guess you just didn't pray hard enough. And then they'll get this automatic reaction back of, no, I'm a good person who prays. And I'm like, look at what's happening with you right now. And it, I was like, why do people say all the stupid things to me? And then I realized it's because I have that openness that I'm like, I'm willing to call you on it. And I'm willing to kind of hold you through this awareness that that internal judgment you have of my miscarriages says more about you than that I lost a baby. And that what it says about you is you should look at that. Well, it's forbid you have a miscarriage or your daughter has a miscarriage. You're going to be putting all that generational shame and hurt and pain on top of a painful situation. Again, it's, it's, you know, look at the moat in your own eye before the sliver in another's. It's, yeah. And for those who have, are not familiar with that nature. story, <laughs> it, that imagery is a moat is like a big, huge um, beam. Mm. And the sliver is like a little sliver, you know, just a little teeny speck of wood. And you're going up to somebody when you've got like a knife in your eye and you're like, hey. <laughs> hey, you have a tiny sliver in yours. Yeah. You know, I got to fix you. But but is that such a comfortable thing to go around fixing and judging other people? You know, where I don't have time to to worry about what my LGBT friends are doing, nor should they be worrying about what where I'm sitting on Sunday morning, right? Because we've got to be working so much on who we are as a person to be working on those shadows, to be working all those kind of things. Because if you were to expose everything in my life, I'm not a perfect person. I'm trying. You're, you're not a perfect person. You're trying. Yeah, we would have ascended already if we were perfect. Who would <laughs> exactly. And so that we're still here is proof that we need to connect with each other and we need to bond on what we have in common so we can help challenge each other on what we don't have in common. Amen. Amen. So when you talked about the breath work, I don't, did we, I don't, again, we just talked so deeply. I don't know if I shared this with you, but the, the sound of breath, is, and I didn't do it quite right, but you know, when you're doing the, the yogi or the, the prayer, spiritual breathing, it is Yahweh is the word for the sound of the breath, which through much of ancient history, of course, is the name of God. And so that when you're breathing, you're literally breathing with deity. Yahweh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're doing full breath, because when you're doing it, you're expelling and breathing in. And there's a lot of science of it happening too, that 
um, I'm sure you're familiar with, but I, when I heard that concept, I was like, I love this so much. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there are different, um, there are different, what in yoga are called seed sounds that are associated with um, the breath. And then also going back to even in Christianity in the beginning was the word, you know, sound or vibration. Yogis call it the om or they mm-hmm. name the word om. Um, right. There's a lot of, there's a lot of parallels within the Eastern and, you know, Hebrew texts and Christianity and within all the, the religions. Um, but breath is life, you know, and, right. and from a shamanistic perspective, breath is the way that you breathe in good energy, breathe out negative energy. Um, but it's also, it also represents. And breathing out breath. carbon dioxide. You can't keep that breath right. in. Negative you have energy. to breathe it out. Yeah. Which but goes back to the shape things. You have to put it out. Yeah. And I love that. that your spirit literally- comes in through the breath and your last breath is the spirit leaving the body. So and I I love that concept of how we're looking at the gift of life and the gift of breath, you know, and how it's like becomes like a prayer, which yeah. leads to affirmation exercises, you yeah. know, of what are you putting in you? Because whatever you put in you will come out of you. So you're putting in what I call poopy thoughts because we all have poopy thoughts, but what do we do with them? Right. You know, and there's like five people that have ever lived that maybe have less poopy thoughts than the rest of us, but most of us have to (laughs) struggle with that. You know, I mean, I think some people are just, well, you know, people that are mentally handicapped are born with an innocence and a purity, you know, and if you ever meet someone who, you know, like a down syndrome person who's violent, you know, that they were, you know, perpetrated violence upon, but they're not naturally that way. They, they have an innocence and a sweetness that, their soul, you know, yes, you could say their intellectual capacity, but I think their soul is here to teach us of what, you know, true guile and, um, you know, what's really important. Right. Well, I think I really truly believe all human beings have that natural innocence. We just have to help them. We need to see it in them and bring it out. You know, I think our intellectual capacity to, to judge and to hold on to things stifles are the 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 soul right you know and we get so smart that we forget that it's really quite simple right smart right smart in quotation marks you know <laughs> um you know because you've seen people who've thought their way out of situations and been like well it's what i wanted to do and you're like but you left all this pain in your wake because you just pursued what you were wanting and they intellectually you know, rationalize causing other people pain. And you're like, well, that can't be good. Right. Um, and again, you know, it just goes back to being kind to loving and doesn't mean we don't have boundaries for those that have not learned to be safe. (laughs) Right. But, um, to be open and to be connected. So, so in the show notes, there'll be information about you, Dallin, because I got to see a little, Uh, a little uh, preview of some of the information that he has. Oh, he's holding up his book. I am. It's actually a card deck. This is the prototype. Yes. It's a card deck. So because he showed me this on his phone 
All the cards. That's me. So we've got we've got um Dallin in um a yogi type outfit, meaning like yeah. an Indian type <laughs> wear wearing here. And it says I am amazing and like the big star symbol of power and I am invincible and um Yes. Yeah, so basically you have you hold your body in powerful positions, which there's university studies done on you know, there's science behind it. Yeah, um, it yeah. raises testosterone, lowers cortisol by 30%. Um, and it doesn't have to be a yoga pose. It can be the Wonder Woman pose, which we talked about at the party. Um, yeah. It can, be, it can be anything that makes your body feel powerful and anything that helps your body um, channel energy efficiently. You know, it, it, it's your presence and how you hold yourself. Um and then, of course, you speak the affirmations using the power of the word, sound or vibration, speaking your life into existence. Um, and then you get to learn yoga. If you've never done yoga, it's an easy system and um, it's guided. Every card is guided in how to get into the postures. And you only do two minutes a day of those postures. So, so. it's like a, a body prayer that you're kind of oh. incorporating your your body and your soul doing yeah, it's a mindfulness. you're like doing a guided meditation mindfulness system yep so i have a friend um that she said it was kind of funny that a lot of women do yoga because yoga anciently was a man's exercise and that dance was purely like free form dance was you know a women's thing and yoga was you know helping to train them to be the providers protectors and warriors that men have always had to be and that she kind of saw this intermixing of women doing it is because we have to do more manly roles. What are your thoughts on that? Interesting. Um, I think that women are really stepping into their spirituality in a way that fully embodies the the being of masculine and feminine energies. We all have um, in yoga, it's Ida and Pingala, but in, in, Christianity, it's Adam and Eve, male and female, yin and yang. We all have those energies inside of us. And we're just learning how to fully embody and balance both of those um, those essences within ourselves. So yes, women have really stepped up and stepped into yoga, especially here in the West. Um, but I, I've never heard that yoga was a was a warrior type system. It was always from what I understand. It's just what she was sharing with me, like you're sharing. So I was just curious. It's a, it's a spiritual practice. It's, it's, it's a spiritual science really. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, yoga means to yoke. And when Jesus went missing, there's a lot of research and there's a lot of history of Jesus going to the East and to the Himalayas and spending time with um, these. He said other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, which absolutely Mormon faith. um, We have the written account of Jesus going to the Western hemisphere and South America, you know, and coming. And so, you know, ah, but you know, after his crucifixion, after his crucifixion, exactly. That came from the East. I believe they gave him gold, set up a college fund, said, come find us. We'll teach you what we know. He came back and it was part of his ministry. Well, it's pretty egocentric to think that God who loves all of his children would have only sent his son to one group. For sure. 
because he wants to redeem all of his children. And so if you've ever played the game of telephone, yeah, you know, where things get, you know, kind of messed up, yeah. right? That's why I think there are so many different religions is truth has come. Truth is given. There's over 4,000 religions. Right. And that things kind of got misinterpreted, but God keeps checking in with us, you know? And so, you know, I've just told my kids, like, if it leads to good things, celebrate that, you know, but if your religion's telling you you're, you know, going to go to hell because you associate with somebody outside of it, or, you know, you have to kill Jewish people. Um, I've got a problem with that. You get, you do get to make judgment calls on what is more valuable because not all cultures preach and hold the same value of human beings as what you and I are talking about, including our own Western culture, you know, that, um, you know, we have our cast offs in our Western culture that, that God would not preach. Right. And well, so the, the holy wars are, are religious zealots and they probably don't really have a connection with God because mm-hmm. if they truly did, they would understand that God is pure love and God has right. given all of these religions and all of these disciplines for people to follow, to become closer to him, her. Right. And he's trying God and his wife and his son and we as the ministering angels, you know, putting it in my belief system, right? They're all being tasked with bringing people in. And I said this in my last episode. So again, I apologize, listeners. That's what happens on podcasts in a day is my thoughts, you know. But I believe that taking the name of God in vain is not so much about the words we are using. But when we use God's authority, Dallin's given me like, it. when we use yeah. God's authority, unjustly and when we're doing a holy war that is literally taking god's name in vain and it's right up there near the top he is not a fan of us using his authority unjustly and when we are judging other people when we are judging ourselves we are blocking off the ability to truly connect as god meant us to connect with him and and you would say him her i i believe god has a wife but i just refer to god as a him and, um, you know, his son and, you know, however it is you want to believe the truth is God loves us. Pure love, pure love, you know? So, okay. Um, my friend, 100% taking the name in vain is using God against another human being who is a child, son or daughter of God. And it's so cute because if you knew Dallin, his eyes get like big and he's gotten tense. Oh, no. and, <laughs> and what Dallin and I are saying is that is evil to use God against someone else because you are not God and you do not get to kill, maim, judge, hurt, defame someone in God's name. And God will say, I did not give you that authority. And that will be poopy. He still loves you and he'll still work with you but that is poopy. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Okay, my friend, it has been so great. I'm so glad that I was able to share with my listeners the sweetness that is my adopted son, Dallin. Yeah. At you right now. So, um, and uh, just connect people, love people. And I hope this episode helped you, regardless of what your different spiritual religious beliefs are, to to be more open to connecting with others. Thank you, Lita. I love you. Hey, I love you too, my friend, my adopted son, Dallin.
And again, as always, show notes about Dallin will be in, um, information about Dallin will be in the show notes. And thank you, Dallin, for being on this episode of Share Your Hotness. Thank you for listening. This is Lita Green. And if you have enjoyed our podcast and would like to learn more about the principles that I teach as a speaker, I have a special opportunity for the young girls in your life. So I teach maturation programs. I wrote a book on overcoming sexual abuse and I wrote a book on confidence. And I've had a lot of parents, I mean, a lot of parents come and say, I would love for your daughter to be, my daughter to be coached by you. But in order for me to coach individual daughters, uh, that would be a lot of money. So I've come up with an idea of what we're gonna do. I'm going to do a group mentorship and you get to come along with your daughter. So I will be presenting principles that you and your daughter are able to go home and have the conversation. So really you're the coach, but you're being given a conversation opener. So far I have eight workshop topics. So if you'd like to have more information about those, they are literally only going to be $40 each and even better if you have two girls, that's 80. If you have five girls or four girls or three girls, it's a hundred per family. I am not doing this to make a ton of money. I am doing this because our girls need to have the information, frankly, that I've been teaching for years. And I want to make that accessible to more than just the one-on-one that come to me and um, ask for my time as a coach. And because I'm... I have to charge money per hour, you know, so this way we're getting it cheaper and accessible and they can learn with others. And I'm hoping this will be amazing for everybody involved. So let me know if you want more info.